Amen. Good morning again, church. It's an uh, um, honor and a pleasure to, uh, uh, to be on this line to uh, um, work through a lesson from uh, the, the good book. Um, it's a blessing also that uh, nothing happened at the plant. Um, you know, there's no issues, uh, which is a good thing. Um, I know last week, uh, um, you know, again, I apologize if you weren't uh, as thoroughly fed um, as you would have liked to have been. I, uh, again, I circumstances uh, drew me away that uh, that I had to address, but all glory be to God that uh, things seemingly are, are running smoothly this morning. Um, tomorrow we will be, um, tomorrow is a federal holiday, um, in acknowledgement of the, uh, the death of Martin Luther King, um, Jr., uh, the, uh, civil rights leader who was, uh, assassinated or, um, shot outside a motel room on April 4th, 1968 in, uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. was um, obviously someone who had, uh, uh, who cared deeply about all people and about having equality for all and, and equal rights for all. Um, I would say that uh, during the civil rights movement that he was one of the key engineers. Um, certainly, um, it's uh, its face, the face of the movement. Um, and when he was assassinated on that day, um, there was a lot of individuals. Um, I, obviously, I wasn't alive at the time, but for those of you who were, um, felt a deep level of sorrow and loss uh, by the fact that um, outside outside forces would uh, feel that the only way to, or one of the ways to destroy the movement would be to destroy its figurehead or to kill its figurehead. Um, but that was unsuccessful. As we know, after his death, that um, that many other men and women took up the, uh, um, I want to say, took up that cause, took up that purpose, um, and ran with it. Um, shortly after that, we did have the passing of the Civil Rights Act um, and the Equal Rights Act. Um, all of those things were... Um, born out of uh, taking the energy from the sorrow and the pain and the grief of the loss of Martin Luther King and using that as uh, energy to push forward. Um, he died a martyr. Uh, someone who died for uh, because of his, of his sincere, if you will, uh, beliefs, um, his religious beliefs. Um, he believed that God created all men to be equal. Um, and that is also codified in our um, Declaration of Independence um, and in many other verses in, in the Scripture uh, support that, that God created man um, in His image, not just um, you know, uh, people of a certain color, um, or a certain background, he created all men. Um, and he loves every single one of his creations. But Martin Luther King Jr. died as a martyr, and tomorrow we will be celebrating his life and his times 
Um, and I also want to say that uh, every single Lord's Day is a day for us to celebrate our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, the question is, is Jesus a martyr as Martin Luther King Jr. is a martyr? And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Um, because that question hinges upon an argument that um, many world beliefs have against or have with uh, the churches of Jesus Christ. Uh, if you look at uh, the uh, Muslim or Islamic faith, um, Muslims will tell you that Jesus Christ is a man of God. They acknowledge him. Uh, they say that he is a prophet as Muhammad is a prophet. Uh, but they do not acknowledge Jesus as being the only begotten Son of God. You look at the uh, Judaism. Um, Judaism looks at Jesus Christ as a, as a man of God as well. Uh, but he was not the, um, the, the king that was prophesied in the book of Isaiah. Um, he was, again, a disciple of God, a, a Jew um, who went astray and was killed as a result of his um, misaligned beliefs. And many other world beliefs look at uh, Jesus Christ as, um, as a man of God, as a, as a person of faith, um, but not the only begotten Son of God. And because they don't believe that He is the only begotten, they look at His death or the accounting of His death in the Holy Bible is an accounting of the death of a martyr. And if you believe that Jesus Christ only died as a martyr, then you are also shortchanging the purpose of his death. If you look at his death as only being, you know, um, a, a rallying cry for, uh, the, for his disciples to go out and spread his gospel, then you are losing sight of the fact that it is only through his life and his subsequent death, that we have an opportunity to live eternally with God in heaven. So it's important for each and every one of us to um, look at uh, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross is, is not just the death of a great man, um, a, um, the, the author of the gospel, <clears throat> but also a purposeful and necessary ingredient for each and every one of us to lay hold on eternal life. He had to die. He was prophesied to die. God gave him to die um, for each and every one of us. Um, so we are going to uh, take a look at that um, in greater detail this morning. Um, and I want to start off by looking at the book of Matthew, the 28th chapter. If you have a, a Bible available to you, again, we'll be looking at Matthew, the 28th chapter, starting at verse number 62. Now, when Jesus <clears throat> was uh, nailed to the cross, um, he survived that, uh, that cruel punishment for three days. And after he was found to have been dead, uh, the scripture tells us that um, because the Sabbath was quickly approaching, 
um, the uh, Pharisees uh, went to <clears throat> went to Pontius Pilate and requested that his body be taken down ASAP. Um, and obviously, his body was taken. His body was taken down. And in Matthew the twenty seventh chapter, we read that uh, a man, a rich man of Arimathea named G, uh, named Joseph, excuse me, went to Pilate and uh, begged that uh, the body of Jesus be given to him. And uh, Pilate consented. Uh, Joseph took the body of Jesus Christ, wrapped it in a clean cloth, and put it in a sepulcher. And as it says in the 60th verse of Matthew 27, it was a new tomb, uh, which was hewn out in the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And as we read in verse number 62, um, Pontius Pilate um, was weary of crucifying Jesus. Um, and he was weary of crucifying Jesus um, as if you know, he had really ultimate power and authority to, to change the inevitable. Because he felt that by crucifying um, this man Jesus that he would be viewed by his disciples as a martyr. Uh, someone who um, his disciples could use as as a rallying cry, as a as a, a source of um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, as a, as a uh, as a source of energy, as a source of something to um, um, to inspire them to go out and to to do more. And so, in the sixty the sixty second verse in Matthew twenty or sorry Matthew the twenty seventh chapter. My apologies, everyone. I was looking at twenty eight, not twenty seven. So it's the sixty second verse in Matthew the twenty seventh chapter. It reads: Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that the deceiver said while he was yet alive. After three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead, so that the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch. Go your way, make it sure as ye can. So they went and made the sepulchre sure, sealing the tomb and setting a watch. Um, so the, uh, the fear again was if we allow uh, the disciples of Jesus, if the disciples of Jesus were able to go into this tomb and take his body, um, they could use this, this idea or use the fact that his body was no longer in the tomb as proof that his words were true. Um, and, as, and in doing so, create an upswelling of, of support uh, for the cause. So the scribes and the Pharisees, the chief priests, if you will, uh, with Pilate's consent, uh, set a, uh, a guard at watch uh, at the tomb. And we know that, uh, as it goes on to say in the 28th chapter of Matthew, um, that again, did not work. Um, Christ did in fact rise. Um, the, the, the individuals that were set at watch at the tomb 
it says that they became as dead men uh, when they saw Jesus coming out of his tomb with a countenance such as lightning and his raiment white as snow. Um, it says <clears throat> that uh, the, uh, the guards, if you will, were also afraid. Um, for they felt, you know, we have, we, we have allowed this, this man to escape. I mean, our sole purpose was just to watch and to make sure that this did not, in fact, happen. But because of the, the power and the will of God, it did nonetheless. There was nothing that the chief priests and Pharisees could do. And there was nothing that these watchmen could do to hold back the overriding will of God. <clears throat> and if you have your Bibles, let's go back to um, the book of Isaiah, the 53rd, 53rd chapter. <clears throat> and as we read earlier this morning in our scripture reading, even from the very beginning, God's purpose for His Son was to, um, was to, He was created, if you will. Um, the reason why He was born was to live and to die for our sins. So the question is, is who killed Christ? Um, was it the Jews that uh, killed um, the only begotten Son of God, or was it God who allowed His Son to die? And for that, uh, the answer to that question, you can we'll, we'll read again Isaiah the fifty third chapter. <clears throat> it says that uh, um, in verse number four, it says, "Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows; yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted." But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are all healed. It says that, uh, continuing in verse number 6, All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. In verse number 10, it reads, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, who hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Um, we know that it pleased the Lord that his son die on the cross. Now you may say, how... How is that pleasing unto God that um, that His Son die on the cross for our sins? It ple it was pleasing unto the Lord that Jesus die on the cross for our sins because He loves us. Um, John three sixteen I, I uh, and we all know that that verse uh, by memory. Um, for God so loved the world and and not uh, the things of the world but the people of the world that it pleased Him to. Um, to allow his son to die on the cross, to be the propitiation for our sins. Um, as it says in uh, 1 John, the second chapter, and, and verse number 2, um, it was all a part of God's plan from the very beginning um, that a man by the name of Jesus be born to a woman, uh, a virgin by the name of Mary, 
and uh, have a father by the name of Joseph to to grow up um, in the way that he grew up, uh, to live in the way that he grew, uh, the way that he lived, to begin his ministry at the age of thirty, and then three years afterwards die on the cross um, for our sins. Um, if you have your Bibles. <clears throat> Um, please turn to uh, the book of Hebrews. Um, in the book of Hebrews, uh, the second chapter, um, the book of Hebrews tells us, um, it says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, and this is in verse number 9 of Hebrews, the second chapter, that he be the grace that that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him, um, and that's uh, an interesting phrase. Um, my, my study Bible says the a synonym for became was, was fitting for him. For it became him. It was his purpose. It was, um, it was befitting him. And to, to understand what uh, the Hebrew writer is saying is, is he's saying that it was the purpose of the man Jesus to die. He was perfectly made uh, for this sacrifice. And uh, <clears throat> why would you say that? Well, if you look back, uh, and we're going to jump, well, I will be jumping back um, to Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. Um in verses 1, 2, and 3, um, Jesus was not made a, a handsome individual. He was not someone who stood out in the crowd. Um, he was not, uh, you know, he wasn't the, the atypical um, leader that you would think of. He, he, as the scripture says, that he had no comeliness. Uh, there was no beauty that um, that one would desire him. Um, he was a carpenter. Um, he came from a. Um, he didn't come from a rich family. Uh, in the third verse of Isaiah, the fifty-third chapter, it says that he was despised. He was. He was rejected. He was a man of sorrows. He was well acquainted with grief. There was nothing about the man Jesus that anyone would esteem or say, wow, yeah, you know what? This is a really um, special guy. I want to be like him. I, I want to pattern my life after him. And I think about uh, some of the men and women that we esteem today. Um, you know, we, we use the word assassinate um, only to describe people who we look up to or people who we'd like to be like. I, 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 you know, will bring your remembrance to the uh, to the day that uh, Tupac Shakur was was killed, and some will say that he was assassinated, or that uh, um, you know your your favorite uh, sports athlete or politician um, was assassinated, and we look at those individuals and we highly esteem them, which is the reason why we use the word assassinate. Yet. Nobody uses the word assassination to describe the death of Jesus Christ. Certainly not the Jews. Certainly not anyone else. Um, because 
He was not somebody who was to be highly esteemed. Jesus Christ was made by God. He was born into this world perfectly fitted to be sacrificed on the cross for our sins. Again, going back to Hebrews, the second chapter, it says again um, in verse number 10, For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons into glory to make the captain of our salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that are sanctified, excuse me, for both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Um, moving on in verse number 14, um, it reads, <clears throat> For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them through deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on took not on him the nature of angels. And I want to talk about the nature of angels. In every description of an angel, how does it how is it described? It's described magn uh, magnificently um you know you, you look at uh, um in all of the accounts of the old testament scripture of of michael the archangel um coming in glory and with power um uh, the glory and the power of god not not his own glory and power but um certainly the glory and power of god um you look at images of of angels and their um, how they how how they are portrayed by human beings, you know they've got these powerful wings, you know muscular bodies, right? They they are fit for uh, a fight, if you will. But Jesus Christ did not take on the nature of angels, um, meaning their sim uh, their similitude, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. He was just a normal Joe, just a normal guy. If someone were to, to kill a normal Joe, would they use the word assassinated, assassination? Would they even be considered a martyr? Would they have a federal holiday? Um... Probably not. I mean, because they are good. There are good people that die every day for their religious beliefs, um, but they aren't considered martyrs. Again, it says, "Wherefore, in all things, it behooved him to be to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people." For in that he himself had suffered being tempted, he is able to secure them or to comfort them, to aid them that are tempted. And uh, that's the reason why Jesus is the um, best um, best pattern, the best example that, uh, that we have. Um, because he's a normal Joe. 
He is not somebody who was had abilities that are exceptional. Meaning, he had all the same abilities that you and I have. He had all of the uh, same experiences that you and I have as normal, regular old folks who have to work, um, you know, every day to provide for our families. Um, you know, he is, you know, as, as they say, he put his pants on one leg at a time, as, as we all do. Yet he lived his life perfectly without sin. And so if Jesus Christ, the man, the normal Joe, the average person, the guy who wasn't pretty or comely, um, who had the same challenges, who was well acquainted with grief as some of us are well acquainted with grief, in spite of all of those things, as just a normal person, if he can live a life without sin, then there is no excuse for any one of us to be able to live that same kind of life. If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, the um, turn your Bibles to uh, John the uh, the third chapter, or sorry, John the twelfth chapter. In uh, John the twelfth chapter. Again, looking at uh, this is the uh, the last time that Jesus would enter into the city of Jerusalem. Uh, obviously, prior to him going back to Jerusalem, his disciples said, "Hey, we we really don't want you to go back." But he knew what he was doing. As a matter of fact, he told his disciples that um, that he would be delivered to die. And a man by the name of Peter stood up um, and withstood Christ to his face and said, Far be it from thee. Peter admired Christ. He admired the man. And why would you, and and I say that to say this that yes. That is a good thing. I admire the man Jesus Christ as well. Um, but what Jesus came to do was to impart a message, and that's it. To impart a message to die and fulfill his purpose. Peter didn't realize that. Um, he, was stood, uh, he, he stood up. He, he said, Jesus, you're, you're a powerful guy. You're, you're the, our Lord and Savior. Uh, we know the power that exists inside your body. Why would you allow these lowly, um, deceitful um, men to uh, to capture you and to kill you? You're the only, only begotten Son of God. You have the power to save yourself. But Jesus understood what his purpose was. His purpose was to die. And in John the 12th chapter, starting at verse number 23... Um, this is how Jesus describes um, his purpose. Um, he says in, ver in the 23rd verse of John, the 12th chapter, he said, And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. 
in verse number 25. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, he, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled? And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. And I don't know if, if the, the, the power of, of that particular rhetorical question and its response moves you, but it moves me. Jesus said, what, what, am I, is my soul troubled with the fact that I'm going to be died in a few days hence? Um, so much so that I should go to my father and say, hey, save me? The answer to that question um, is evident in what comes after the colon in verse number 27. He was made for this. And I guess by extension, what are we made for? In verse number 25, um, in verse number 26, it outlines what we are made for. As followers of Jesus Christ, if we want to be where Christ is, then we must also be willing to die for the cause as he did. If you love your life so much so that you're not willing to die for what you believe, um, then you must also hate eternal life. But as Jesus says in verse number 25, He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. You know, a martyr is one who dies for his religious beliefs. And I guess by definition, each and every one of us has to be willing to die as martyrs, if you will, as well. Now, you, I know this is not lost on anyone on this phone call, but um, in the Catholic uh, belief system, they have a process of sainthood. Right? And any man or, or woman who dies as a martyr, um, you know, who, first off, you have to die as a martyr in order to, to meet the, one of the many qualifications of sainthood in the Catholic belief system. But why is it that the scripture refers to each and every one of us as saints? Could it be um, that the reason why we are called saints in all of us, all of those who are faithful members of the body of Christ, the reason why we are called saints is because we are willing to die for what we believe in. And that's what makes us saints. And that alone, that we have the love of God existing inside of us, so much so that when God says, um, when God tells us to go, we go. What he tells us to do, we do. And we will do that. We will not allow anything to hold us back from our purpose as being servants, as being evangelists, as being ministers of his gospel, even death. Because that's what Christ was made for. And that's what we are made for. You know, you, you may say, well, why do we, 
Why do we worship every first day of the week? Why do we partake of our Lord's body and his shed blood? Um, is not to be necessarily partakers of his death, to be, but, but to be partakers of his life. We don't celebrate his birthday. Um, wherever, whenever his birthday was, but we celebrate his death um, and the life that resulted from his death every first day of the week. Um, Christ is not just simply a martyr to all of us. He is the example of what it means to be, of what it means to be one who lived and to die um, for the cause. For God's cause and for God's purpose. If you have your Bibles, turn back to uh, John the the twelfth, <clears throat> the twelfth chapter. It says uh, in <clears throat> verse number forty-four. It says, "He that believeth on me believeth not." Excuse me. He that believeth on me. Believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And I, and I want to read that one more time. Jesus Christ, Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come a light unto the world, that whosoever believeth on me shall not abide in darkness. If, and if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words, hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment what I should say, and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Jesus Christ was just doing what he was, and I, and I don't want to um, say just doing, but he did exactly what the Father had told him he must do. Can you imagine knowing the, the date and the time and the hour of your death? Just think about that for a second. If somebody told you the date, the time, and the hour of your death, how many of us on this call would do everything in our power to avoid putting ourselves in that circumstance to die. How many of us would do that? All of us. <laughs> I know I would. But Jesus Christ, knowing the date, the time, and the hour of his death, did not shy away from it. He went towards it with the confidence of knowing that by doing so, he was laying hold on eternal life. He was given an opportunity for all of us to also lay hold on eternal life. And that's certainly uh, a person who is worth our honor and our praise and our glory. Certainly somebody who is worthy of us acknowledging 
Not just every first day of the week, certainly, but every single day. So the lesson is yours this morning. Um, hopefully some words have been spoken that are, um, have been enlightening and encouraging to you uh, on this Lord's Day. Um, if you are here this morning and um, there's something in your life that um, has separated you from the love of God that is, that is keeping you from uh, fulfilling your purpose and your cause as a child of God, um, you can make that right this morning. We'll, we, we will all say a prayer on your behalf that God will strengthen you and, and give you the confidence to fulfill um, and carry out your purpose. Um, our lives are short, and while we don't know the time, date, and the hour, we know that uh, our death is coming. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't mean to, uh, uh, to um, put a spotlight on Brother Porter, um, but, uh, you know, in my conversations with Brother Porter, I'm sure there are moments when he was sick and in the hospital that um, he was thinking, maybe this is it. Maybe this is uh, uh, the last chapter in the story of my life. Um, and for him, it was real. For brother and sister Marzette, it was real. Um, and for those who have not yet experienced that, that type of life or death situation or have been ill or have been injured to the extent that that has really been a thought in your brain, I would encourage you today to put yourself there mentally and to think, if I were laying on my deathbed today, right now, would I be able to die with confidence knowing that the moment after I pass from this life, that my eyes will awaken in a place of paradise? Or will my eyes awaken in a place of eternal torment? If the answer to that question is, I'm not sure, or certainly I will be in a place of torment, then please take the opportunity this morning to um, make that sure, to make uh, your confidence and your faith in the ever uh, in eternal life sure. Um, you can come to God with a repentant heart and ask Him for forgiveness um, to restore yourself in good standing with the Lord God. So again, the lesson is yours after we sing the song of invitation. Um, the floor will be open to anyone who needs to request a prayer. Thank you.